Chapter Twenty Six of the Romance of Modern Sieges by Edward Gilliatt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six: Siege of Port Arthur, Nineteen O Four. Port Arthur, its hotel life, Stursel not popular, fleet surprised, shelled at twelve miles, Japanese pickets make a mistake, wounded cannot be brought in, polite even under the knife, the etiquette of the bath, the unknown death kondrashenko the real hero the white flag at last nogi the modest banzai effect of good news on the wounded the fleet sink with alacrity port arthur consists of a small landlocked harbour surrounded by hills as you sail into the harbour you have on your right the admiralty depots dock basin and dockyard sheltered by golden hill next the waterfront or commercial quarter on the left the tiger's tail a sand spit which narrows the entrance behind which the torpedo boats lie moored the new town lies south of signal hill on a plateau rising to the west all round the town were hill forts elaborately fortified the hotels were like the houses very primitive the best was a one-storied building containing about twenty rooms each room being furnished with a camp bedstead and no bedding one deal table and one chair sometimes if you swore hard at the chinese coolie you could get a small basin of water and a jug there was a permanent circus a chinese theatre music halls and grob shops a band played on summer evenings general stersel the military commander was not loved by soldier or citizen he was very strict and during the war became despotic they say he once struck a civilian across the face with his riding-whip because the man had not noticed and saluted him as he passed his soldiers dreaded him and would slink away at his appearing some such words as these would come from him on seeing a sentry who are you where do you come from when did you join why are you so dirty take off your boots and let me inspect your foot rags oh got an extra pair on your kit show them at once go and wash your face though it was known that war between russia and japan was imminent the officers and men of both navy and army took little heed but relied on the strength of their fortress its fleet and batteries what could the little yellow monkeys do against russia well on the seventh of february invitations were sent out for a great reception at the residence of the port admiral for it was the name-day of his wife and daughter officers of all grades flocked thither from the forts and the ships after the reception followed a dance very enjoyable gay and delightful it was midnight and many were down by the water's edge waiting for gig and pinnace a dull sound echoed through the streets that night dear me what is that i wonder oh only naval manoeuvres sir we sailors must be practising a bit you know in case the japs come then there was a laugh they don't dare to come under our guns but they had come in their torpedo boats the brave sailors of the rising sun were quietly steaming round the harbour launching a deadly torpedo at battleship and cruiser next morning when the russians went down to see what was going on they found the retvisan nose down and heeling over the tsarevich settling down by the stern and with a pretty list to starboard other vessels looking very uncomfortable and a long way off near the horizon some black specks that actually had the cheek to bombard port arthur 
why yes as the curious citizen came to the boat he was so astonished that he forgot to run crates and sacks had been hurled about double glass windows all smashed and what was that big hole on the quay big enough to hold an omnibus and four horses good gracious you don't mean to say that those specks twelve miles away have done all this come sir let us seek shelter in the stone quarries and the russian batteries on golden hill they were returning the fire from ten-inch guns but the japanese possessed thirteen-inch guns and were outside striking distance a party of ladies and gentlemen had gone to the terrace before the mayor's house to see the pretty sight it is not often you can see such a sight a shell fell just below them they scattered and went to bed what was it like oh my dear a noise like a big rocket a blaze a bang an awful clatter all around as the glass breaks and falls you are dazed you see yellow smoke you smell something nasty you shake you run run yes they all ran away from port arthur all who could merchants tradesmen coolies all went by train or boat then there were no bakers or butchers no servants until the russian troops were ordered to take the vacant places if the japanese had only known they might have taken port arthur that night of the torpedo attack but they left the russians sixteen days of quiet to recover from their panic and to repair their ships then it was more difficult the hole in the retvisen was forty feet long and twenty feet in depth seven compartments were full of water and many dead bodies floated in them but beached and waterlogged as she was she used her guns with effect many times during the siege so difficult is it to destroy a battleship unless you can sink her in deep water it was not long before all foreigners newspaper correspondents or candid friends were ordered out of port arthur so we have to rely on the evidence of those who witnessed the siege from the japanese side even they did not at first find their freedom to see and pass from one hill to another very secure one night two of them tried to get to the front under cover of the darkness they soon met a japanese officer who reined in and asked where they were going one of them could speak japanese and replied that they were looking for their camp so he let them go but what if they stumbled upon the japanese outpost and were shot at as russians they must be very wary in the starlight they saw a small hill in front of them which they made for hoping to see or hear more of the great fight which sounded louder as they walked a roar of rifles broken by the rattle of machine-guns as they climbed one of them said he saw a trench near the top of the hill and men sitting near it they hesitated but finally made up their minds to risk it and advanced boldly whistling carelessly as they went the japanese were all looking out in front and did not at first notice the newcomers who approached from behind then suddenly the thought came we are being taken in flank by the russians the entire picket started to their feet many of them had been fast asleep and being roused to hear the noise of heavy firing they called out ruskies one englishman tried to seize a japanese by the hand to show he was a friend but his intention failed for both of them rolled into the trench the other threw himself flat on the ground and called out in japanese english friends when at last the japanese discovered their mistake they were all smiles and apologies and please go to the front sir the japanese made great mistakes at first 
they lost many thousands by attacking in front hills and forts scientifically fortified they were trying to do what was impossible some years before they had captured port arthur from the chinese speedily and easily by a fierce assault they had then been compelled by russia france and germany to give up their fair prize of victory afterwards russia had seized port arthur and manchuria so honor and revenge both spurred on the japanese to retake it from the russians the war became most cruel and sanguinary after one night attack the japanese left seven thousand dead and wounded on the hillside they could not fetch them in though they were within call some few crawled back to their friends at night many lay out for days being fed by biscuits and balls of rice thrown from the japanese trenches the japanese were fed almost entirely on rice a naval surgeon tells a story which explains the conduct of the japanese when suffering intense pain he says when the battleship hatsur was sunk in may a sailor was laid on the operating table who had a piece of shell two and a half inches long bedded in his right thigh i offered him a cigar as he came in which he eagerly took but the surgeon told him not to smoke it just then his smaller injuries were first attended to and then the surgeon turned to the severe wound in the man's thigh in order to pull out the piece of steel still embedded in the limb he was obliged to pass his hand into the wound which was deep enough to hide it as far as the wrist during this painful operation the sailor never spoke or winced but kept trying to reach the breast pocket of his coat at length the surgeon irritated by his fidgety manner asked what are you doing why can't you keep quiet the sailor replied i want to give that english gentleman a cigarette in exchange for the cigar he kindly gave me even in the throes of that agony the japanese sailor could not forget his politeness and gratitude they are a curious mixture of opposites these japanese one day facing machine-guns like fiends incarnate or giving their bodies to be used as a human ladder in attempt to escalade a fort the next day sucking sweetmeats like little boys you come upon some groups by a creek they are laughing and playing practical jokes as they sharpen up their bayonets with busy innocent faces making ready for the great assault at dawn to-morrow a few yards further on you find them in all states of undress their underwear fluttering to the breeze some of them sitting on the stones and tubbing with real soap you ask them why so busy this afternoon they smile and nod their heads towards port arthur and one who speaks english explains that they had been taught at school this proverb japanese fight like gentlemen and if they are found dead on the field they will be found like gentlemen clean and comely there were so many forms of death in this siege plurima mortis imago as virgil says from the speedy bullet to the common shell shrapnel and pom-pom but besides these common inventions there were mines that exploded under their feet as they walked hand-grenades thrown in their faces as they approached the forts there were pits filled with petroleum ready to be lit by an electric wire and poisonous gases to be flung from wide-mouthed mortars but the one which spread terror even amongst the bravest was what they called the unknown death it was said that during the early attacks in august one whole line of infantry which was rushing to the assault had fallen dead side by side and that no wounds had been found on them 
at last it was discovered the russian chief electrician had ordered a live wire to be placed among the ordinary wire entanglements furnished with a current strong enough to kill anyone who touched it of course it was liable to be destroyed by shell or cannon fire but in many cases it proved fatal and always made the attackers nervous the russians had such steel wire entanglements placed at the foot of all their positions and where success depended on the dash and speed of the infantry they succeeded in stopping them and exposing them to a heavy fire as a rule volunteers went out at night with strong wire nippers and cut the strands or they set fire to the wooden posts and let them come to the ground together sometimes in a fierce charge the sappers used to lie down beneath the wires pretending to be dead and choose a moment for using their nippers some even in their desperate efforts to get through would seize the wire between their teeth and try and bite it through the man among the russians who was the mainspring of the defence was general kondrashenko he was an eminent engineer very popular with the men one of the bravest and most scientific of the russian officers on the fifteenth of december the general and his staff were sitting inside north kaikwansan fort in the concrete barrack just underneath the spot where a shell had made a hole in the roof this had been repaired and they had come to see if it had been well done as luck would have it a second twenty-eight centimetre shell came through the same place and burst inside the barrack killing the gallant kondrashenko and eight other officers who were with him this was the gravest blow that port arthur could have suffered for this man was the spirit of resistance personified after his death stersel began to seek for excuses to surrender he called a council of war and proposed that as the japanese had taken so many forts and sunk their warships terms of surrender should be proposed almost every one was opposed to it and some officers were so disgusted that they privately suggested kidnapping stersel and locking him up the japanese policy of mining and firing mine underneath the redoubts had succeeded so often that the russians had got into a nervous state on the first of january the fort of wantai was rushed and captured mountain guns and quick firers were sent up to help in holding the ground ammunition was sent forward everything made ready to rush the whole of the eastern defences when to the astonishment of all from general to private a white flag was seen fluttering over the valley the news spread like wildfire that stersel wished to capitulate could it be possible at nine a m on the following morning the second of january a little group of foreign pressmen assembled as usual in the small room provided for them at headquarters they discussed the white flag incident but they remembered that stersel had said that he would die in the last ditch so it did not seem probable captain zasuhara whose duty it was to inform them of what was going on was late in appearing and when the door opened it was not the captain but an orderly who entered carrying a tray on which was a bottle of liqueur brandy and several glasses something strange must be going to happen when a japanese officer begins to drink liqueur so early a few moments later captain zasuhara came in gentlemen general stersel has capitulated port arthur has surrendered banzai they all joined in the shout banzai which means live forever and then gave three lusty saxon cheers which brought out general nogi the commander-in-chief 
he who for so many months had borne the grave responsibility of sending so many thousands to their death he who had lost both his sons before port arthur and tried so hard to conceal his grief now beamed with joy at the sudden relief and the lines that used to seam his forehead were smoothed out and almost invisible a grand gentleman was nogi gentle and polite and kind to all who could have grudged him this triumph after so much sorrow and disappointment he offered his hand received their congratulations with dignity and said with an undercurrent of sadness and a voice as soft as a woman's i thank you all for staying with me through the dark days of disappointment and all the sorrowful hours of this terrible siege the proud spirit of the samurai soldier seemed blended with the gentle feeling of the buddhist it was a touching sight to have seen and how the news stirred the troops men broke into snatches of song then shouted and yelled banzai until they choked in the field hospitals the wounded trying to rise from their canvas stretchers joined in the cheering with thin weak voices at night wood fires were lit all around the hills and many of the russian garrison left their dismal forts and came down to sip sake rice wine and after spending a night of carousal with their late enemies the big burly foemen of the north were glad to be helped homewards by their polite hosts who bowed on leaving them and hoped they would not suffer from the after-effects of japanese hospitality astonishing too was the effect of the good news on the wounded desperately wounded men crawled over the stony hills and walked to the hospitals without aid if you said to one such you are badly hurt let me give you an arm he smiled proudly and said with a salute no no port arthur has fallen one man who had been shot in the head and whose right arm had been smashed to pieces by a shell walked to the dressing station had his arm amputated and his head dressed and then walked two miles further to the field hospital the news was too good for him to think of his own pain another man had a bullet through his chest he walked two miles to the hospital there he coolly asked the surgeon if he thought he might live the surgeon though he knew the man's case was hopeless said oh yes but after a pause if you have any letter you wish written do it at once the soldier replied all i desire is that a letter should be written to my mother no sooner had he uttered these words than he fell dead on the spot it reminds one of a young lieutenant in browning's poem who had ridden with dispatches to napoleon why my boy you are wounded nay sire i am killed in the harbour at port arthur there were riding at anchor five battleships and two cruisers on the tenth of august they had gone out to meet admiral togo and had returned next day badly damaged by the first of september they had been repaired but on november the twenty seventh began a tremendous battle for the possession of two o three meter hill on the fifth of december that hill was taken at a fearful cost of lives and a japanese naval lieutenant wormed his way into the shallow trench and by help of his nautical instruments was able to take observations and give the correct direction and distance to the artillery commander who at once trained howitzers on the fleet all the ships were sunk by the sixth of december with the exception of the sevastopol which steamed out under captain von essen and anchored under the batteries of tiger's tail 
this brave officer tried to protect his ship by a wooden boom and by torpedo nets for three nights he was attacked by japanese boats and torpedoes and inflicted great damage on them at last the boom was pierced and the ship's steering gear ruined by a torpedo the sevastopol showed signs of settling down so that night steam was got up for the last time and the gallant commander with a few picked men took her out into deep water opened the sluice cocks and then taking to his launch pulled away a bit and watched the great battleship settle down stern first in the dim and misty moonlight it was only right that the pluck of this russian captain should be remembered when we think of the poor defence made by the russian navy as for the rest of the fleet the battleships and cruisers were huddled together with a strong list and their upper works destroyed they have since been raised and repaired and belong to the mikado the siege of port arthur cost general nogi's army eighty nine thousand men in killed wounded and sick of these ten thousand were officers the japanese have read a great lesson in patriotism and sense of duty to the whole world to the courtly and feudal chivalry of their old-world samurai or noble they have added the foresight and inventive genius of the european they have suddenly sprung into the front rank of civilized nations and no one can forecast the greatness of their future from the siege of port arthur by e eshmond bartlett by kind permission of measures w blackwood and sons end of chapter twenty six end of the romance of modern sieges by edward gilliatt